We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden in partnership with 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, is Justin Mello, and we are here today to recap a dominant win over the Houston Texans. I know the score only says 17 to 10, but anyone who watched that game knows that the Titans absolutely dominated. Justin, how's it going? Doing well, man. Great to see the Titans rack up their fifth consecutive victory. They're 5-2, and two, sitting comfortably atop the AFC South. One of the hottest teams in the NFL. One of the three hottest teams in the NFL, I believe. Right, The Eagles are obviously on a seven-game win streak. I believe the Vikings have also won five in a row. And you've got the Titans right there uh, winning five in a row. Hotter than the Bills, right, who yeah. lost to the Dolphins a few weeks ago. So got to feel really good about where this team is. And I'm really excited to dive into this one because I, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm going to put on my mature Justin hat, and I'm not going to troll the Texans too much because I had a lot of thoughts during that game. Titans fans will enjoy hearing them. Um, if you hate the Texans, I'm not approaching it from that perspective, but uh, you, you'll definitely enjoy what I have to say. Yeah, you mentioned the hottest team in the league. The the next after those top three, the next highest active winning streak right now is only three games. So no one even on a four game winning streak, just those five game win streaks and then a, a whole bunch of teams at three. So the Titans definitely up there for hottest teams, but that could all come crashing down against Kansas City next week. We're not talking about that yet. We'll get to that <laughs> later in the week. Right now we're focusing on this incredible performance by Derrick Henry and the Titans defense as they dominate the Texans in Malik Willis's first start. And I know Derrick Henry had an amazing game and I know the defense had an amazing game and I like to save the best for last, Justin. So let's start with Malik Willis, who finished this game. Uh, He was six of 10 passing for 55 yards and an interception. He took three sacks for 15 yards. He tried to run the ball five times for only 12 yards, stopped just short of the end zone on one of those carries that Derrick Henry punched in on a fourth down play a couple plays later. But Justin Malik Willis's debut, the potential future franchise quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. What did you see? And uh, keep in mind, audience, we're going first here because we're saving the best for last. So uh, yeah, I, think, I think we're starting with our worst performance. Uh, we usually save the worst for the pre- uh, the preview episodes, but. Uh, what I saw was it wasn't good. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was essentially everything that was wrong with him in the preseason. Yep. Um, and what we saw throughout training camp and look, this was worse. I, this was worse than what we saw in most of the preseason games. Granted, it's yeah, against it starting, starting caliber defenders, but at least by the third preseason game, he was better. He was better. This one was not it. Yeah, no, you're, that's a good point. You're absolutely right. There's no point in sugarcoating it. Look, I wrote an article for the Draft Network on Monday where I said, look, Malik Willis isn't ready to play, and that's okay. But I do think it's okay. Like, I agree This with is the expected outcome based on how raw he was coming out of Liberty and how much development is still required. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm certainly concerned. I'm not going to pretend like he's absolutely going to get better and become a franchise quarterback and shed all of these warts that he has within his game right now. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but all we can do is analyze what happened on Sunday. 
And it was bad, right? Like the interception um, uh, targeting Cody Hollister, Cody Hollister was open, right? Like he created separation on a dig route across the middle. Um, It kind of summarizes what's wrong with Malik Willis right now. Essentially, I feel like, and this may be a slight exaggeration, but I, I think you'll know what I mean. You'll probably largely agree. It feels like he needs to see a wide receiver open for three seconds before he throws the ball. And it's right. probably not actually three seconds because we know how quickly windows close in the NFL. But he felt it felt like he had Cody Hollister for like a second and a half, two seconds. A beat, there. like a yeah, solid like beat. A solid beat. Throw the ball. And, and what's the issue with that? <laughs> NFL windows are they close much quicker than it takes for Malik Willis to make a decision on whether or not he's throwing a football. And that's exactly like like that should have been a 20-yard completion to Cody Hollister. Would have been Hollister's third explosive reception of the season, right? Where all three of his catches would have gone for 20-plus yards. Really quick while we're talking about this play in particular, Cody Hollister may have been open for a second, but everything he did after the ball left Malik Willis's hands is like cause to never see the field again, in my opinion. He tried to draw a pass interference penalty on a play where the defender did not touch him. He flailed his arms up and fell backwards Now, what you should do in this situation is locate the ball and do everything in your power as a receiver to make sure it is not intercepted. That means either batting down the pass or breaking up the pass somehow or tackle the guy. Get an offensive pass interference penalty. Anything over an interception in opponent in your own territory like that. So I agree. All bad on Malik Willis. I'm not blaming Cody Hollister for the interception in any way, but I am blaming Cody Hollister for trying to draw a dumb penalty that was not when there was no contact instead of trying to help his quarterback out. Yeah, the ball's behind him. Yeah, the ball's late. But like, try, try, at least tried. He, He's like, probably stunned. Somebody probably stunned posted in all this. Honesty. Somebody posted the clip on Twitter, close up of Cody Hollister, literally flailing his arms backward <laughs> and falling down. Like, Come, I get it. Like the pass is off target, but at least try to help your quarterback out, especially a rookie in his first start who is not seeing or processing the things that are happening on the field. I'm just not. I'm being honest. Like, I, I, you're right, but I'm not going to spend any time on like because it's just it's just my beef is with the throw, the decision. Yeah, like, just, for sure. It's so bad. And then uh, our our you know friend of the show, fr- uh, friend. I guess former friend of Brian. No, I'm kidding. Uh, head over to James Foster's Twitter at all all, all yeah. flags film. Shout out to James. Love no James. Flags, I'm so. obviously just messing around, but um, he tweeted some of the all 22 clips on, on that one. Yeah. There's another one. I think it was Malik Willis's first sack of the day. Where again, it was one where we didn't have the the wide or the end zone view during the game, so it was hard to see what was going on. Uh, when you see it, oh boy, it's so bad, right? Like he's got Nick Westbrook Akine wide open. And I mean, wide open. I think Westbrook, if I remember correctly, was coming, had cut in, was coming across into the middle of the field and he is so open, right? And Willis has enough time to throw it. Yeah. And that's your first read on the play. That's the one where you hit the top of your drop and it's bang out over the middle of the field with the safeties were creeping back. Like he had that throw. And what was worse was they never showed the end zone. They never showed what happened downfield on the broadcast, but you got Adam Archuleta saying, "Eh, nobody was open on that one. So Malik had to take a sack. It's like, no, these guys are white. Robert Woods, the second read was also open on the other side of the field. So it's, it's, one of those things where, like, and I know you can first point dropbacks too, wasn't it? I don't, I don't want to cut you it off. It was but uh, early remember... on. Yeah, I mean, uh, if 
people remember the preseason, they'll remember in Willis's first preseason action, he had a chance to hit a dig route and didn't throw it. And then in the next game, they ran almost the exact same play for him. And he hit the top of his drop on the dig and fired and completed the pass. And it was like, there's the progress we're looking for. This game, they will look at that play and they will say, Malik, why didn't you throw the ball here? What are you seeing that's scaring you from throwing this ball? And it'll be a great learning moment where next time he's in a game, he'll remember what to what to key on for that play and how and to fire the ball. And like maybe he should have remembered from preseason. But, you know, it's been nine weeks since he played in the preseason. It's it's it, time has passed and he doesn't get first team reps in practice except for last week before this game. So I agree, like he struggled immensely, but there's all kinds of reasons to think he can only get better from here. I mean, we're seeing quarterbacks around the league getting better who had these kind of Justin Fields last year was horrible at seeing the field and making a bang, bang play and just holding the ball forever. And this year he's improved a lot in that category. And you know what? It took a lot of game, a lot of live game action to get to that point. Malik Willis doesn't have the benefit of like playing for a terrible team and just like go out there and make the mistakes and learn from it. Like the Titans only attempted 10 passes in this game because they wanted to win the game. They didn't want, you know, to waste the time developing the league and risk losing a game in a season when they're a very competitive team. So uh, a little nugget for you on this one. The Titans finished with 40 net passing yards. Malik had 55 passing yards, but the three sacks for negative 15 yards mean the Titans finished with 40 net passing yards, which is the second fewest net passing yards for a team in a game in the last 10 seasons. Not for a winning team, for a team. The Titans, were, the Titans were also the first team with 300 plus rushing yards and 40 or fewer net passing yards since the year 2000. But not Again, not winning team, just the first team to do it in a game. Insane. <laughs> and we didn't even, look, I, I want to move on from this, but I, I think it would be uh, silly of us to not even remin- uh, mention the, the Mr. Chiga Quanquo because that yep. might have been his worst one of the day, right? Where, again, he's wide open down the sideline. He might score a touchdown if he lets that ball go on schedule like he's supposed to. And what happens again? He's indecisive, takes an extra beat to let it go. Uh, and then he sloppy footwork, doesn't reset his base, and just totally misses it out of bounds, right? Like that, that, that might have honestly been the worst one of the day. Uh, and the other two that we brought up were really bad. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that he was late and missed the throw. Like, you could be late on that one and still complete the pass for a 20-yard gain. You don't get the touchdown that it could have been, but at least you complete a big play. Instead, he was late and he overshot him. I think all in all, eight of his 10 passes were really bad plays, and that includes the, the throwaway where he, which yeah. is like, Great. You threw one. the ball out of bounds. You you like move on to the next play. That's great. But you have like 15 yards of open field right in front of you. Just pull it down and, and like, that's the time. Yes. Drill. That's the time. Like I know he's probably has the coaches in his head saying, we don't want you to pull the ball and run it on every play. We want you to play the play that's there. And maybe he's that's in his head a little bit, but because I know the coaching staff is also saying, we don't want to take away what makes you special. So when the run is the best option on the play, run the ball. And he, he could have done it on that one. And he didn't, I, I do want to give him a quick shout out for the throw to Robert Woods. His longest completion of the day went for 16 yards. He, Bought a little time in the pocket, rolled to his left, had like three defenders crashing down on his face and somehow moving left, got the ball over their the defender's hands and like with a really weird arm angle, flipped it to Robert Woods. It was a pretty nice throw. But even that play was one where he held the ball too long and then he made something happen afterwards. But like he should have had the ball out of his hand before he was even in that situation. So it's like a plus minus kind of neutral play at the end of the day, because I think there were some negatives there, even though it was a phenomenal throw. So I don't know. It's something to grow on. You get a win out of it. 
and you have a lot of tape to look at to say this is where we can be better. Yeah, I think to sum I think to summarize, um, it was what I expected, right? Like he's still raw, he's still developing, he's indecisive, the footwork is still sloppy and, and inconsistent, and um, it's a, it's an uphill battle for him, right? And we don't know when his next start will be. We hope it's not against the Chiefs on Sunday, right? <laughs> you hope you have a healthy Ryan Tannehill back and under center. TBD, obviously. Um, but uh, I think Malik Willis is, at least if you were realistic, he's exactly where um, I thought he'd be. Yeah, I think the one thing that I'm most disappointed about is that, you know, I kind of expected him to struggle with passing the ball. I would hope that the Titans would have had a few more, like, easy easy completions for him screen play like plays where he doesn't even have to think a little bit like i know the play action dig route over the middle bang and we talked about that he missed like yes that is a relatively easy play for a quarterback to make in the nfl but i'm talking like easier than that like a screen type of play or something to get him using his legs so that he has the confidence to try to make a play going forward in the game because i think five carries for 12 yards like i knew he was going to struggle passing but he struggled to run the ball a lot yeah. more than I expected. He struggled to escape pressure. I mean, the one time he tried to roll spin out of pressure, he like fell down and got sacked. So overall, not a great debut for Malik Willis, but again, a lot to learn from as only, he can only go up from here. So I'm not like, I'm not saying that Malik Willis will never be the Titans starting quarterback. I think he just has a lot of work to do. And I think he's the kind of guy who will put in that work and get, hopefully get to where he needs to be. Before we move on and talk about how amazing Derrick Henry is and how great the defense was in this game, I think it's time for our Beef of the Week presented by the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden in East Nashville where you can get the best beef. I mean, you may not want to have a beef with them. I have no beef with them, but I get my beef from them because it's the best beef you can get. Pharmacy, Burger Parlor. Um, Sorry, I don't know where I'm going with that, but uh, do you have a Beef of the Week you want to talk about? (laughs) Yeah, I think going forward, uh, my beef of the week is going to be with anyone that thought Malik Willis had a chance to replace Ryan Tannehill as the starter this season. Like, welcome to reality, ladies and gentlemen. He does not give the Tennessee Titans the best chance to win um, on a weekly basis right now. This team is still competitive. They're 5-2. and two. Ryan Tannehill should absolutely be the quarterback. It's not even close right now. So my beef of the week is if you thought you were going to see something from Malik Willis in this game, that was going to convince the Titans to move forward with him immediately. Uh, he has a chance to replace Ryan Tannehill down the stretch, a healthy Ryan Tannehill, of course, that is. My beef of the week is with you. You are not realistic. This ridiculous you even thought that to begin with. Um, Ryan Tannehill gives his team the best chance to win games on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. My beef of the week is with whatever illness came down on Ryan <laughs> Tannehill on Friday because it made me look really stupid. It did. I proclaimed not only on this podcast, but also on the Around the NFL podcast that I was very confident Ryan Tanner would start that the ankle would not keep him out of that game. And I don't think the ankle kept him out of that game. I think it was whatever illness he came down with on Friday with stomach bug, COVID, whatever. Who knows what it was? Could have been anything. Um, they don't really report COVID anymore like they did last season or, or anything. So, you know, it could be anything, but um, could just be the flu. Who knows? Hopefully Ryan Tannehill is back and healthy next week. That was the beef of the week presented by the pharmacy burger parlor and beer garden. Head on over to the pharmacy and tell them the music city audible sent you. Okay, Justin, it's time crown this man. He's the King. Derek Henry (laughs) runs for 219 yards and two touchdowns. His fourth straight game against the Texans with over 200 yards and 
two plus touchdowns. No other player in NFL history has ever rushed for 200 yards against the same opponent more than twice, let alone not twice in a row, just twice in their career against the same opponent, let alone the two touchdowns part, let alone consecutive games, let alone a currently still active streak of four straight games with another matchup with Houston on the schedule later this year, a chance to make it five. You just can't say enough good things about Derrick Henry. The Titans as a team averaged seven yards a carry in this game, only attempting 10 passes, only attempting one pass in the second half. That seven yards per carry includes Malik Willis's five carries for 12 yards. And the Texans know the Titans are running the ball every play and they still can't stop it. It was unbelievable to watch. I, you've probably heard the stats by now, and I'm, I'm, I mean that for our listeners, but I'm going to round it off anyway, because it really is. It's one of those astounding stats. It's one of my favorite stats in sports. It reminds me of another favorite stat of mine where Larry Fitzgerald has more career tackles than he does drops. Uh, this this <laughs> right. is that level. If you didn't know that, it's, it's insane. This is that level of stat to me. The fact that Derrick Henry ranks first place all time for career games with 200 rushing yards and two touchdowns in the same game. He's done it six times. No one else has done it six times, right? It's Derrick Henry. No one's even done it five times. And then who's in second place with four? It's just Derrick Henry against the Texans. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking yeah, at the you, NFL you research a, packet right now. <laughs> 200 yards and four touchdowns. Derrick Henry six times. Second place is Derrick Henry against the Texans. He's done it four times. And then I think he got like a trio of Hall of Fame running backs who have done it three times. I think it was LaDamian Tomlinson, uh, Jim Brown, and was O.J. Simpson the third? I'm, I'm not Barry certain. Sanders. Barry Sanders. Where O.J. Simpson comes into play here is Graver and I are actually launching a murder podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> O.J. Simpson has two 200-yard games against the same opponent. He did it twice against the Patriots. That's where he comes into play. What, what, what I was thinking of O.J. Simpson is that um, – so with the, re- removing the two touchdowns – He was found was so, innocent, by the way. Yeah, he was <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. We want to add allegedly to this because we don't want to get sued. Where O.J. Simpson comes into play here is, uh, I believe – you can correct me if I'm wrong if you didn't see this one. When you remove the two touchdowns from that statistic, you just look at running backs with 200-yard games. Derrick Henry's now tied for first place with six alongside Adrian Peterson and O.J. Simpson, who both also did it six times. But when you add mm-hmm. the two-touchdown uh, stat to that, it's Derrick Henry would say he did it in all six games that he achieved 200 yards. No one's done it five. It's Derrick Henry against the Texans four times, and then a couple of guys who have done it three. Derrick Henry didn't play against the Texans in 2021. Like, he's even more impressed. He missed both games against Texans last year with that foot injury. So it's it's astounding, man. What can you say about the King? I wrote a super, a super simple article this morning just saying Derrick Henry is still the King. I feel like nothing else needs to be said. Actually, I'm going to go into a hot take right now. Um, he's going to win the rushing title this year. I think so. I think it's it's only going to get better as the year goes on. The offensive line continues to get better as a run blocking unit. As much as they struggle in pass protection, they can run block their asses off. And uh, yeah, I think you know there's there's run defenses on the schedule that are going to favor the Titans in terms of Titans matchup having the ability to run the ball. So I think you're right. He's trailing Saquon Barkley right now. As we record this podcast, the Browns Bengals game has not kicked off yet. So Nick Chubb has a chance to regain the current rushing lead in the NFL if he has a big game tonight he's about 40 yards behind them i think and saquon's about 20 or 30 ahead of henry right now and saquon hasn't had his buy yet 
I think so. The part I want to say, I think Chubb's only 15 yards behind Henry. So oh, maybe he is going to pass him on Monday night, most likely. And I, I knew that. So, but the point I was going to say, so Henry will rank You're right. third. 15. It'll exactly. Be, yeah. It'll be Chubb one. It'll be Barkley two. It'll be Henry three, but uh, Chubb also hasn't had his buy. So Chubb right. and Barkley haven't had their buys yet. Uh, that's going to be a big help for Henry in this race. Who's already had his buy. I think he's going to win the rushing title. It was vintage Derrick Henry. And you said something I wanted to expand on. And I kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the show was trying to put myself in the shoes of a Texans fan. I mean, how unbelievably pathetic it is that they knew he was going to run the, the Titans essentially handed them the playbook and they did (laughs) it on Saturday when it was confirmed Malik Willis was going to start. We all knew this was going to be a Derrick Henry game. They handed them the playbook on Saturday this is what we're going to run. We're going to run Derrick Henry essentially every play. I wasn't even surprised at the run pass splits. It was what I thought it was going to be. I thought they would make sure Malik Willis doesn't throw the football at all, essentially, unless this thing they're down two scores, uh, which was unexpected. This was exactly what I thought it was going to be, which was Derrick Henry every play. Right. And the fact that the Texans still couldn't stop it. I mean, it is, it's insanely pathetic in all honesty. And not just Derrick Henry every play, because Dontrell Hilliard ran for 83 yards on just eight carries, including popping off a 30-yard run, including running for a first down on third and nine when the Titans are backed up at their own, like, five-yard line. You said this in the chat. The Titans are mad that Hilliard converted that. They were so ready to punt the ball. Ryan Stonehouse was, like, on his tippy toes already, ready to make the run out to the field. Like, that was them conceding, in all honesty, I felt like. Right. Trying to play the field position game, right? Because they were so backed up and they got the first down. Unbelievable job by the offensive line, by Derrick Henry and by Dontrell Hillier to just run all over the worst run defense in football. But also an unbelievable job by the defense who until the final drive, Texans got the ball back with under four minutes to go in this game and they drove 90 yards for a touchdown. Pure garbage time that was. Up to that point, the Texans had 71 total yards of offense, 71. They had not had a drive go more than four plays since their opening drive on which Davis Mills threw an interception to Christian Fulton. Great play by Fulton. Terrible pass by Mills. Kevin Byard dropped interception. Jeffrey Simmons got another sack in this game. The completely dominant defensive performance. The only points they allowed outside of that garbage time drive at the end was off of the Malik Willis interception when they got a field goal. They didn't even allow points after a muffed punt because they drove the Texans backwards on a, a negative yardage drive after that. Unbelievable drive, unbelievable job by the Titans defense in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think through the first 33 plays, the Texans gained 64 yards of offense. Like, that is insane. You kind of said it during the intro, and I, I want to allude to that as well. Um, the most dominant seven-point victory I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And in my mind, the Texans didn't score any points in this game. Like this, this was such a dominant defensive performance and such a pathetic offensive performance by the Texans. They were three of, or I think two of 14 on third down. Uh, they didn't score any points. This was a shutout by the Titans. This was as good as a shutout by the Titans defense. It, it was so dominant. I don't even know where I, I, and this is what I meant when I said earlier where I was going to be mature about it. I don't even know where I'd cling on to hope as a Texans fan. I, I really don't like. I'll tell you where. When they get the number one overall pick, they'll have a lot of hope. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I think that's a great point. You, you got great quarterbacks in the, or potentially great quarterbacks. I, I do really like Bryce Young out of Alabama. CJ Stroud from Ohio State intrigues me, certainly. So, uh, but I, I mean, 
I don't want to get into all this. It's not a Texans pod, but I, I thought of like firing David Cauley, making him go one and done to just hire Lovey Smith, who you're essentially setting up another fall guy, in my opinion, who's probably going to go one and done again. I think of what they have at defensive tackle. Like this was a scrimmage for the Titans offensive line, just firing off the ball and pushing them back. 10, 15 yards every single drive. Guys who shouldn't be playing right now, like Roy Lopez, who you've probably never never heard of, who was atrocious in that game. Christian (laughs) Harris, the linebacker from Alabama, is a rookie. Again, forced to to start for them, was not good in this game, took a couple of bad angles. And it's just, look, it's all bad, man. If if I was finding any hope, I would say, you know, I think this draft class for them was pretty good. Damian Pierce, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, Kenyon Green is pretty good. You're gonna have a bunch of picks next year. I think you'll they might have two top five picks. Yeah, the way they have Cleveland's they have Cleveland's yeah. first so, round pick as well. So you you might have number one overall. And uh, I mean Cleveland should probably win some games when Watson gets back, but it might be another top 10, top 15 pick. But um other than the draft hope and the current class, I think being pretty good. Um, it's just totally devout of, devoid yeah. of help here. It's really bad. And the Titans in this game, in addition to the three sacks, one for Bud Dupree, Demarcus Walker, and Jeffrey Simmons, they also had eight tackles for loss, two by David Long, one by T.R. Tart, one by Christian Fulton, Bud Dupree, Demarcus Walker, Jeffrey Simmons, all getting in on the TFL action in this game. Just, I mean, I don't know what else we can say. Like Mike Vrabel knew exactly what to expect from the Texans offense and had this Titans defense prepared and ready to just completely shut down anything the Texans tried to do. Damian Pierce has had a great season, finished with 15 carries for 35 yards. Davis Mills averaged 5.2 yards per attempt, three sacks for 34 yards lost. Keep in mind, Malik Willis also took three sacks, only lost 15 yards. So just like, just complete. I mean, the one sack Davis Mills like backed into right into Bud Dupree's arms. They didn't even get let him let Bud Dupree bring him to the ground because he just like gave up on the play. Like, What was happening on that offense? And we'll see if Brandon Cooks is still a Houston Texan the next time these teams meet, because by the trade deadline tomorrow, we're recording this on Monday by tomorrow. He might be moved. Who knows? Maybe he'll be a Titan. I don't think so, but who knows? That would be great. But just you mentioned Damian Pierce uh, right after you mentioned the Titans defense. I want to bring up a quote he meant, uh, he said post game when oh, yeah. asked about the Titans defensive line. He said 93 and 98. Now, of course, that's Tier Tart and Jeffrey Simmons. So he said, oh, wow, 93 and 98. They had a day, man. Very destructive up front. They threw our timing off with inside zone runs we wanted to get to. Even on the outside runs. Uh, They got penetration backside. Kudos to them. Great game plan. Dominant guys up front. We knew that coming in this week, but they lived up to their reputation. Shout out to them. I think that's, uh, you know, hats off to Damian Pierce for his honesty. He had another great quote. I won't read where they asked him about Derrick Henry. Kind of said the same thing. Said, oh my God, he's even more amazing in person. He's 6'3", 250. A a guy that I look up to. was so great to talk to him after the game. Um, Dominant, dominant showing like, it felt like, again, I feel I'm being honest. I'm not trying to troll the Texans. Like the fact that they came into this game with a backup quarterback, the most simple game plan you could ever come up with, just run the ball every play. The fact that it was this dominant, it really kind of felt like an NFL team was playing a team from like the Mac conference or something. It really was that bad. And I am totally not excited for Thursday night football because the Texans go to play the Eagles. And that could be just like an atrocious 50 to nothing type of game there if the Eagles don't let up in the second half. Um, All right. Anything else about this game? Any uh, unsung hero shout outs you want to give? I think uh, Andrew Adams deserves one just for coming into this game. And, you know, I didn't like notice him do anything particularly special, but just meshing in with that defense. 
He, he really did have tackle. one amazing tackle. Um, just to play in Amani Hooker's absence and continue this dominant defensive performance that they that they were doing with and without Hooker in the lineup. I didn't look at the snaps from the linebackers. I, I wish I did, but uh, you talk about unsung heroes. I feel like Dylan Cole still played a lot of football, right? He Even did. though Zach Cunningham was back in this game, I felt like you were still get you got good snaps. Again, the guys I shouted every week from Demarcus Walker. I think that might have been his first sack of the year, or he had a half sack earlier in the year. This is his first full sack, I think. Uh, keep getting good snaps from the likes of Andrew Adams, who you shouted out, Dylan Cole, who I shouted out, Demarcus Walker. We talked about Mario Edwards Jr. Keep getting uh, good snaps from these contributors. Terrence Mitchell as well, of course. Yeah, and Kevin Strong had a nice play when Tier Tart had to briefly exit the game. He did return. He's okay. Um, So yeah, okay, that'll do it. We'll be back later this week to preview the Kansas City Chiefs with a special guest from the Kansas City Sports Network. Um, Until then, I don't have anything else to say. I should tell you guys to go to the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden located in East Nashville. I should tell you guys to check out broadwaysportsmedia.com and become a Broadway insider with the Insider Pass. Yeah, become a Broadway insider today. It's $6.99 a month. You could use the code insider to get your first month for just 99 cents or use the code annual uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the paywall. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F-Words Pod. Uh, It's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And also to check out all the Broadway sports media podcasts and the 440 catalog of content that is out there for all of you to consume. We are making content for you guys and we will make some more of it later this week. We'll be back then. So stay tuned until then you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway sports media production.